Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. And we return. I'm Arlene Bonnet in for John Oakley. And one of my favorite parts here, it is our panel time for Pizzaville. I would like to welcome John Carmichael, CEO, Interim Registrar, Ontario Motor Vehicle Industry Council, Canadian business leader and a former conservative member of Parliament, John Carmichael. Thank you. It's lovely to have you. Thanks, Early. Stephen Holliday, Deputy Mayor, Councillor, Ward 3, Etobicoke Centre. Hello, Arlene. Glad to be here. Hey, nice to see you again. And David Wills, Senior Vice President of Media Profile, a leading Toronto public relations agency. And nice to see you again. Good to see you. All right, we just had some breaking news, so why don't we go for it? I'm going to begin with you, John. Uh, The news is that the head of the principal of St. John of St. Michael's has resigned. This is something we've watched him struggle since this happened last week. It was just yesterday that the board of directors said that they had confidence. We've been watching this unfold from a crisis management point of view, uh, from a community point of view, from a cultural point of view, and from a criminal point of view. Are you surprised, John? No, I'm not the least bit surprised. I, uh, it's a horrible story and it is. Uh, actually a tragic story in, in many forms. And, uh, I think there's a lot of change coming at St. Mike's, whether it's uh, the president, the principal, uh, looking for a new board, new configuration for the board. They've got a lot of responsibility here, and I think they've got, uh, we're going to see a fair, fairly significant transition in the next uh, days and weeks. You, you know, it, it was yesterday, as we, as we said, they said they had all this confidence. David, you know the story, media profile, uh, does crisis management. I guess you're not surprised. No, you know, I, I think that it's one of these things of when he became part, such a big part of the story and a big part of what wasn't done right, what was done, what done wrong, that that is a lot of pressure for, for a person in his, in his role. And, you know, I'm going to suspect that one of the things that led to that, because, you know, the board just mm-hmm. yesterday gave confidence, is that, you know, there was, you know, he may have had a determination that he could not be part of the go forward uh, because of his role in the early days, as uh, as we found out so about So you think this. this may have been from him? Well, I think he was probably under tremendous pressure. I'm sure there were lots of parents mm-hmm. and lots of people who were calling for this. But I think that also, uh, you know, when you look at it, uh, when you look in the mirror and think, am I part of the solution here? And the answer is going to be no, because most of us believe that they didn't act appropriately at the beginning when they could have. All right. Now I'm going to put on my journalist hat here. Is While this is happening, one of the things that has stayed and is very true is the timeline between reporting. We know that this is a legal thing and there are legal responsibilities in the educational system there was a delay there has been criticism there have been a lot of questions Stephen, is could this be part of it here you know as a, a parent of kids that are growing up and starting to uh, think about entering the high school system i've been thinking a lot about this story mm-hmm. uh, and just you know how i described it my own children about it happening 
Um, I, I, maybe I'm the holdout around the table. I, I still have a lot of faith and trust in the principle. And I, you know, it sounds like the people have fallen on their swords. I don't know all of the facts and sensitivities in this case. These are experienced educators. These are people who have given their lives to um, working with children and trying to have the best outcomes. And I still wonder if there are reasons why he held off on reporting for that period of time. And what do you that mean? We don't know what about. reasons? I don't know. I mean, they keep but talking about... But then he wouldn't about, have been forthcoming. He gave his reasons. So if they're not what he you, said, you know, then he's holding things back. But there may be more to the story about the children and the family. I don't know. I, I just... The, my sense was uh, uh, people are uh, looking for a scapegoat on what truly is a terrible story. And I maybe this principle is is going to be taking, is well is, is, has stepped down now, is taking the hit on all this. And part of me still feels that uh, that um, maybe he's, he's doing the high road because there may have been a reason why he held off on that reporting. I don't know how you'll escape this, this larger thing about hazing in schools. I mean, he's been there since I'm sure all of us around the table went and through the school system. This is a system. crime. This is a, a, a right. sexual assault. You're right. And, and in this Charge. case, in this case, a line was crossed way too far when you got into criminal acts or when you got into a situation where a student is a victim where they didn't have a chance to opt out of the process, opt out of this hazing thing. They couldn't have said stop. They couldn't have escaped. And that's where it is a crime, and that's where it's wrong. And, uh, and you know, I'm pleased that it is with the police now, and it is being treated very seriously. Mm-hmm. And they are. John, let me throw it to you. You know, again, I've got the journalist hat back on here. I've interviewed people who've been victims, they say, in the Catholic Church, but victims in, in the hockey world, victims of coaches. And one of the things that they say that really, really haunts them is that if this happened outside of an institution, it would be a crime. And if someone was found guilty, they would do hard time on this. You know, it's interesting as we talk about this, that we still kind of put it in some way that it's within a school or within a church here. Is there a sense here, now we have a resignation from the principal, is there a sense that this maybe is a tipping point on how we view this stuff? Well, I, I you know, I, um, I have grandchildren that are, coming into this age group mm-hmm. 12 13 and uh and I worry about them as well Stephen and and David both talked about that and I I think uh yeah it is a tipping point I think anytime you see this type of behavior it's a cultural thing that has to be eradicated in our schools mm-hmm. in our institutions whether it's bullying sexual assault any type of hazing uh, these things are uh these things are are long past uh old news we we've, we've got to stop this stuff and uh, there's legislation in place. It is criminal activity. It's criminal uh, and, activity. And treating if it's children true. like mm-hmm. this, other children treating children mm-hmm. like this, is it driven by social media? Is it what drives the behavior? Uh, is it parents not paying attention? Is it the school system not paying attention? I think there are a lot of questions that are going to have to be answered, and we're not we're not anywhere close to it. No, yet. I, I agree. I just want to uh, go to David for a minute because you know this process. Although the rest of us do, too. Now, we know. I mean, we know you own it. You come out and say yes. You try to involve the community. And there's all sorts of steps. On the other hand, journalists are still going to ask those tough questions. You can try to protect yourself and protect your brand. Is there a moment now on stuff like this? It's a new world. Me, too. Look at that grand jury report from Pennsylvania within the church. A real sense that there is a momentum behind the stories of victims here, more powerful. I think so. And, but I also think, you know, the, the heart of this story, what made it really controversial was the delay. 
that yes. that one person made a decision mm-hmm. to not call the police, and it's still ambiguous about whether they actually did or whether the police it called is. them. And that's the thing is that that's a right or wrong decision. If you see a video where you know it's a crime and, it, and apparently it was very clear, you know, oh, my, one parent was out of town is not mm-hmm. a good enough excuse. And Stephen's right. There may be things we don't know. But when you present that side of the story, you, you had a big miss. You failed. Your first call should be to the police. It's not, you know, well, oh, does the victim want to come forward or not? There was a crime committed under your watch and it was against a child. And, you know, I think on, you know, whether it's a me mm-hmm. too, I think one of the things that's happened is that the people feel and this is a good thing, is it that is. they are empowered, yes. that they're not going to be pilloried for coming forward on this. They're not, mm-hmm. that, they, that people are going to understand that they are victims and not going to be made fun of. The Like the other thing, you know, I have two teenage boys mm-hmm. and we were talking about this, about doing the right thing, stand up. And they said, you know, you know, you got to also worry if, you know, if you, if you're the one to intervene, are you going to be next? It's true. And, you know, yeah. it's not that they've experienced anything like this, but when, even when they're standing up against teasing is that when they do that, they've seen it where then all of a sudden the kid who says that's enough becomes the target. And it's like, you know, it's not nearly at this stage, but we have to remember these are adolescents that are going through a lot. And but the the ones they committed a crime and that's not forgivable because of their age. And the reaction to that is really going to help the tone at the school. Stephen, as we talked about a tape here, you know, um, it, it is. It, I keep calling it the most modern situation, almost a microcosm of our time. You can pull in Me Too, all the power that we just did. But now it has changed the judicial system. On one hand, and later on in the show, we're going to speak to the father of Retea Parsons, and we know how that mm-hmm. ended up. When there was a tape, Uh, you know, it it can be shared. On the other hand, it's proof. If a victim walks into a principal's office, we know what it's like, whether it's he said, he said, he said, she said. So there's a lot of modern stuff here with the power of a tape. There is. In fact, uh, it was part of the conversation with my daughter about Mm -hmm. this incident because they heard this on the radio over the last Mm -hmm. couple of days and they're trying to make sense of what it is. And the rumors are around their school about how vicious the attack was and they got questions about what it is. But, you know, uh, the thing with the tape is, yes, it's a, it's a piece of evidence. It's part of the investigation. It's part of the proof of what happened. But it's a traumatic event for the victim. And yeah. the, the part that hurts, I think, um, you know, that, that is going to continue to hurt is you, you, the person's got through this trauma, but then that tape is out there. And it will, it will stick with them for a very long time. And the same mm-hmm. half of the conversation with our kids was, Uh, Don't forget, if you ever got involved in this kind of thing, that tape stays with you as the person that did the crime. And that's a really important part that you've just said. And let me just quickly, before we go to break, throw throw it over to John. It is, we're all involved in this, aren't we? Oh, we are. In a way. It's all of us. Do you watch? Do you watch a beheading online? Do you watch? What do you do and what are you made of? Yeah, no, I agree with you. uh, This impacts all of us because we all have connections somewhere, mm-hmm. whether it's with the school, whether it's young children, grandchildren, whatever. And, and we feel that, uh, that angst when something horrific mm-hmm. like this happens. It's a crisis that uh, St. Mike's will survive. Uh, there'll be a lot of changes at St. Mike's. Crisis management will change behavior mm-hmm. and it'll be used as a, a teaching tool for other boards and, and schools and organizations across the country, maybe around the world for future reference. But 
clearly, uh, yes, this touches all of us. It's it's very true. Teaching, David, is this up for change, the crisis management as we watch it? I was kind of comparing it to Tylenol. I know it was a long time ago, but look what they did. And it's very rare that anybody ever did it as well that they did, that they they owned it, the people died, and then they led the industry here. Well, I think, you know, Tylenol and then that was eclipsed by Maple Leaf, mm-hmm. right? When they, you know, they had 14 people die from yeah. eating their product. They mm-hmm. owned it and went out every day and took their punches from the media. And I think St. Mike's is doing that. They're getting they're getting hammered on this. Uh, it's a, you know, my only advice to them, it's a long road. And it isn't about words and it isn't about staff. It's about changing your attitude and proving it. And that's going to include the way that they're interacting with the boys that are there. Who are very, you know, they're like, you know, I'm thinking if I'm a, a student at St. Mike's, I'm very worried about my future because mm-hmm. is this stigma following me and I had All nothing over. to do People with it? People say, we're, you know, is was my, he part of it? Was he an aggressor? Is my was university he, application yeah. going to be looked at yeah. differently? And, and all of that no stuff. No small ha- thing. It's, it's a multi-year thing. And, you know, they're a private school. Very interesting to see how many applications go in next year. Like if there's going to be a drop. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Right. As a parent, I would be looking at that saying, I'm going to pass. Branding. Stephen, let me ask you, as we get into this fiscal update, we were all waiting as a country what the liberals were going to do, showing a little bit of agility here. They, the investment was bleeding to the United States, and there were a lot of concerns about how things have changed since that campaign. What are your thoughts? Good job by the liberals here? Well, I, my overall reaction is, is how are we going to pay for all this stuff? Uh, mm-hmm. But I do appreciate the fact that business is being paid attention to. Uh, I am a little surprised this isn't the typical little liberal pattern that you see of uh, nuggets coming out before an election. Um, they are addressing a fundamental issue that Canadians have been worrying about because they've been watching what is happening in the U.S. and, and have legitimate concerns over business and economy mm-hmm. in Canada. So they're taking a step to, I think, set themselves up to show some sort of solidity before the election. Um, but we'll see how the details work out. Um, you know, how will the tax cuts, who will they benefit? Will they actually benefit Canada businesses? Will we see the economy grow? I don't know. And and again, the underlying issue is, is this growing deficit and how will we manage going forward? All right, John Carmichael, what do you say? We had Joe Oliver on. He had a lot of things to say as a former finance minister, but he thought the big areas of vulnerability, that there there maybe should have been a broader tax cut to get the mindset of Canadians out of all this. What do you think? Well, I, I've heard the, um, the the finance minister, Vic Fideli, uh, applaud the uh, the tax cuts mm-hmm. and the uh, particularly the amortization on manufacturing and some of the equipment purchases which gives uh, an incentive to industry to be spending. Uh, I think the bigger story, frankly, is the continued growth of the deficit yeah. and debt. Mm-hmm. It, it, that uh, Stephen mentioned, who's going to pay for this? We're, uh, we're saddling our grandchildren and great-grandchildren with debt that is never going to be payable. At some point, somebody's got to pony up, and uh, we just can't keep spending. And so we see that this media sector finance package is out there, mm-hmm. and there are other... <laughs> There are other tools that are, are hopefully helpful, and, and I do hope they help. Um, the one thing I think is important is that we they have addressed a few issues that will make us competitive with the U.S., but 
at the end of the day, we're building debt on debt on debt, and I just, uh, I find that reprehensible. David, you know, there is a real sense here that the liberals may have made a misstep. Right now, it's okay. The The public does, you know, they got, a, they got an ear and an eye to the deficit, but we all know how this goes. It's all good until it's not good anymore. Kathleen Wynn, we could uh, ask Kathleen about this when all of a sudden the people of Ontario said, you know what, financially we've got some trouble here. What are you thinking here? Well, I, you know, I think this whole race to keep up with the U.S., you have to be careful because, you know, everybody's pointing to some very short-term data from Donald Trump's tax cuts. Conveniently, they're ignoring their ballooning Deficits. deficit and debt. Like it's out of control with zero plan for ever reigning I know, it but in. we've got deficits. They've got ballooning deficits know, and the, they've got business feeling they can they can only, expand and do well but there. But all of this, like this harp that we have to keep up, they're ignoring that part of the U.S. story. But as John rightly pointed out here, we're not ignoring that here. We, we're, we're very attuned to that to that part of the problem. But we don't want to, we have to race this, but we can't, like we, we're not connecting those things. I think that the you know the the good tax cut that was in here is the one that John talked about about the accelerated depreciation because you're actually rewarding companies who are investing yeah. mm-hmm. in the U.S. The tax so it's strategic there. the tax cuts like the debt the evidence is in the money that they that they got the, the profits mm-hmm. went way up wages stayed flat investment stayed flat and what did they do with the biggest thing they did with it they bought back shares. So that actually doesn't do anything and for the economy. that is the it sugar, and that's the sugar high that is working in exactly. the United and States. Exactly, and what happens mm. with the sugar high? You crash. I think mm. the part that is interesting politically, this is, he's fighting against, uh, you know, the, uh, the provincial, uh, the Ontario conservatives who are really the conservative voice in the country right at this moment. Like Doug Ford is the loudest voice right across the country as a conservative, uh, I would argue. He's ignoring Jugmeet Singh. I saw that just on the ticker here mm-hmm. that he finally called a, a, a by-election yes, for February. Yeah. So he's giving himself a very Today. short window of comparison from the left, and he's fighting and he's arguing on the right. He's trying to shore up saying, well, we did all of those things. You have no argument. So he's trying to, like, if I can thrilled. fend off the conservatives, yeah. then I can fend can off keep Jagmeet. Yeah, if he can keep Jagmeet out of it. All right. But that's, that is just kicking the can down the road. Let us not leave this budget for, I just want to ask if, if, if a couple of more things. We were just talking about Jagmeet and the an announcement of the by-election. Uh, Stephen, let me throw it to you. Is this budget going to make people forget India? I don't think so. No, you know, I, <laughs> the laughter was no. delayed. Yeah, I thought you no. and I all laughed earlier. There is no, there is no escaping some of those pitfalls. I think people will remember those. I'm not sure yeah. people will remember corporate tax cuts going into the election. And back to my earlier point is, mm. I was expecting a shiny trinket, a gift, a surprise. Well, you're disappointed. Well, no, because that conservative in me says, "Good, it's not there." But, but that's what I expected. Is is thinking about the election and all eyes are on that. This was more of a budget that I would have expected to see at the beginning of a term, right? To stimulate the economy mm-hmm. and generate some windfalls and see things that happen. Uh, but here we are, we've got this. And uh, no, there is no escaping uh, the story, uh, the photo from I India. Don't, I don't think happening. this is enough um, no. for, for India. John, let me ask you, you referenced the money to the media. We began with calls on the show and I was a bit surprised. Like first five calls kept mentioning it. Do you think that the the public is is tuned into that? 
No, I don't. I, I think uh, I think this was something that came out of left field in terms mm-hmm. of uh, uh, most Ontarians. Uh, it, it's an interesting... Uh, Troublesome, some wonder, well, even in the who, media. Who's going to pick the winners and who's going to pick, gonna pick the, the losers? And how do you determine? I'll, I'll do it. Who gets it? <laughs> You'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I don't find it as attractive as say the uh, the accelerated depreciation, which I think is something mm-hmm. that business people. Uh, and then you 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 talk about India. Nobody's going to forget about India because <laughs> I I guarantee you there are at least two parties that will keep bringing it back. Uh, but you you uh, you know you you think about that in terms of uh, uh, Bill Morneau's comments last summer about small businessmen being tax cheats. Yeah, and uh, I think that's going to appear on a commercial. All somewhere. of those things are going to be continuously resonating with Canadians, and uh, I think it's going to be very interesting to see where this goes. David, you're you've got an ear to the ground because of your business on how people feel about things. You know, has the has the tone of the electric changed? A lot has happened since the last election. Well, I think the tone has been is much more cynical. I think you know Trudeau got elected on a, a wave of hope, and I think people felt really good mm-hmm. about that sunny, sunny ways. Sunny ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, what surprised you know Stephen described it as trinkets. What surprised me with that statement was there wasn't anything that mapped back to this was all reactionary to what the United States is doing and what conservatives are pushing for. The you know some of the big things that that people were really interested in affordable housing, uh, making life more affordable. All of those things are missing for. The regular person. And pipelines, man. Pipelines, yeah. yeah. The like, You know, I agree with John on the accelerated depreciation. I understand what that is. For most people, they're like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not getting accelerated on my depreciation. And, <laughs> yeah, nobody's you know, accelerating. But, but, my rent, but my rent is still going up. My, my cost of living yeah. is still going up. And, you know, then there's all these mm-hmm. other issues that, the, that they trumpeted. You know, clean water and First Nations. All these things that are important. They were all, it was silent in that yesterday. And I think that mm-hmm. that's, you know... That's one of the things that they're going to have to address in the in the weeks and months coming up uh, towards the next election because people won't forget about that and no, others will I think not, they've others learned. Will not let oh, them I know. About it. I was just going to say, I'm sure they've learned their lesson. They're not going to make any large promises in the indigenous file anymore because they've got a bit bit of trouble there. Well, Stephen, I, you look I, like just, a man uh, with a thought. I, but just, <laughs> just, I don't want to leave that little piece yeah. there on uh, pumping up the media industry and Mm -hmm. i i want to hit a red Mm -hmm. alert on that i Mm -hmm. I have a lot of concerns with that Mm -hmm. so you know there's 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 some good stories on this but essentially the the idea is is they would be putting money into uh media into news reporting to try to preserve the industry so you know uh, red flag number one is just you know corporate welfare right and and is that a sustainable plan in the long term but where it gets more concerning is when you've got a political entity that is doling out money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, are the, you beholden it, uh, to them? And are, are the media political? I, I, I don't know. Certainly they are, right? And well, so, if you hire a bunch of investigative reporters and they start doubling down on the liberal government, how's that going to go? And exactly. I mean, it, it should be totally um, on board here. So on, we, we get into this at city council with grants, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so there, there is always this magnifying yeah. glass that goes on to the money that we hand out to different groups to promote public policy. And there's always that concern that if you hand out money and you end up in this position of conflict between the sitting government and that other grant recipient about their idea of public policy, well, is that really helpful with taxpayers' money? And you know, and as you're talking, this is a great example. Let me throw it over to John. What about the summer jobs program? I was it's just only, thinking about yeah, that. It was, yeah. yeah, you know, we it, it, that's mm. still fresh in the fridge. Absolutely. Somewhere, when it? you have a government whose ideology is driving whether mm. or not you're going to get your grant. 
Uh, this is the same thing. You can't. You, it it in it has the same implication. Whether it's delivered the same way or will remain to be seen, but but in the summer jobs mm-hmm. program, it was left up to MPs previously, and in, in the government I served under, uh, you you helped to find all of the job creation you could within within your uh, riding. And today, unless you signed that one acknowledgement, you weren't on the list. All right, I'm going to switch, while we still have a few more minutes, to what may be a good sign. In uh, the province of Ontario, we have MPP Amanda Samard breaking ranks with Premier Ford and the PCs and criticizing the Premier over the French language issue. Looks like good news to me. Are we developing perhaps a tolerance for some dissension? What do you think, David? (laughs) Am I getting too optimistic here? Well, I, I think you're you're putting you're giving too much credit there. This is the first, you know, voice of dissension we've seen in this government. Right? It's only six months old. I think she did the right thing. I think she was very eloquent and very um, uh, did a really good job in the way she yeah. executed that. I you know I give full marks on that. What is going to be interesting is to see if she gets punished or not on whether she's allowed to, to speak her and voice. That is and that's, the big thing. That's here. what we need to see. But you know, bravo to her and full marks. Stephen, is that something we should be watching? And again, you know, we're referencing the United States, lots of talk about whether uh, the president, people have to show fealty in certain areas of the media. And we see it here all the time within a party. People are asked to vote for an individual. We double deep down on who they are, what they've done. And so many people in politics, and they say it to me, and you've been in politics, John, once you get there, do you get to really vote with your heart unless we forget this is the federal government when it came to abortion that wasn't so true well i i see this all the time at city hall i get torn between issues yes. that are local in nature and also city building in nature and you have to figure out as an elected official elected by a group of constituents that you have a duty to how are you best going to represent them? And sometimes those two sides of the coin, the city building idea and the local idea, you know, can't square. And, uh, you know, I often take the side of the, I do, I take the side of my local residents. That's the lens that because I use. Because they, they're the people who elect you. And and they've put their trust in me to serve their best interests. And that's what I wonder if this is what this situation is. She's a Francophone. She's mm-hmm. from a, a, a French um, part of the province on the Quebec border. Yeah, if she doesn't and do this. This is local yeah. in nature. And, you know, that I think is expected even in a party system. It's how she does it. And I think it will be interesting to see how the premier reacts on this. Exactly. That is the key, how he reacts. Would you agree, John? You've been an elected official. Well, I totally agree. I, but I, I do believe that uh, there's a lot more work needs to be done behind the scenes, lobbying the leader, lobbying the her, uh, her minister. And uh, you don't go public and break ranks unless you've done all of your... Your, uh, and don't you got, I got first. a sense, I wondered if that has already happened. And what's your gut say on this when you look at I it? I don't think so. You don't think so? No. And that's part of it. What do you do? You go and you say, look, I may say some <clears throat> things that disagree with the party. What? Here's my... Here's my Absolutely. I think you have to stand up for your constituents mm-hmm. and you have to be visible. But and it doesn't I, happen. But we know that doesn't happen well, all the time. But it, it there's a lot of work that does go on behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. you brought up that other issue mm-hmm. of abortion. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you're referring to the, the vote in the House with mm-hmm. uh, the Harper government, mm-hmm. but uh, there were lots of members who just vehemently did not, or, uh, um, were, were opposed to 
the uh, the motion that was put forward, and they stood up and were counted. I know, and, the, the, and, they, and they all had to punished. vote together in the liberal yeah. in the federal liberal government. Absolutely, here, so. same thing happens. So, uh, you, you know, I think you've got to have a voice. All right, and we have had a voice. What a pleasure having you all for the for the panel. David Wills, Senior Vice President of Media Profile, which of course is a leading Toronto public relations agency. Stephen Holliday, Deputy Mayor, Councillor, Ward 3, Etobicoke Centre. John Carmichael, CEO, Interim Registrar, Ontario Motor Vehicle Industry Council, Canadian business leader, and a former Conservative Member of Parliament. Thank you, gentlemen. Really appreciate it. Thank you very it. much. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.